0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Lifestyles Medicine Podcast brought to you by Pathways to Wholeness Lifestyle Medicine. Today, we take you to a talk given by Lauren McNeil during the Canadian Plant-Based Nutrition Conference. Lauren McNeil is a registered dietitian practicing in the Toronto area. She has a special focus on plant-based nutrition. In her talk, she succinctly, clearly, and convincingly dismantles some of the common arguments against plant-based nutrition. We thank Plant-Based Canada for giving us the permission to upload these talks so that you, our listeners, can be blessed by them. Here's part one of Lauren McNeil's talk.
1: So thank you, Zara, for the introduction. My name is Lauren McNeil, and I am a registered dietitian who specializes in plant-based nutrition. (laughs) Thank you. So I thought I'd share a little before I get started because it is kind of uncommon. Um, So I am a clinically trained registered dietitian, which basically means that I worked primarily in a hospital before this. Um, I got my training in a hospital, all that kind of stuff. Um, But after that time, I realized that I wanted to focus a little bit more heavily on preventative care and specifically plant-based nutrition. So I decided to pursue a Master's of Public Health from the University of Toronto in nutrition and dietetics with a collaborative specialization in women's health and kind of a personalized specialization in plant-based nutrition. I've been personally interested in plant-based nutrition for probably about the past eight years and doing my own studies, but it wasn't until I had the opportunity to work with Dr. Damon Jenkins to uh, validate the then-proposed changes to Canada's Food Guide to promote Canadians to consume more plant-based protein, that I was really able to merge these personal and professional interests. I also had the opportunity to work with Dr. Pamela Ferguson, who previously was a Vegan Registered Dietitian in Toronto, and she really encouraged me to start a private practice. So I decided to do that, and now I'm happy to say that private practice is my primary job. And I like to say that I see everyone from those who are vegan or vegetarian to those simply wanting to incorporate more plant-based foods into their everyday eating patterns. I also have a social media account called Tasting to Thrive underscore RD, where I share plant-based recipes, plant-based nutrition tips, and lifestyle things with my audience of over 32,000 followers. <laughs> you. So it's a really great mix for me for being able to work one-on-one with clients and then also disseminate my message to a much wider audience. So these are some of my conflicts of interest. I do have the opportunity to collaborate with some brands that I feel aligned with my messaging and my interests. And these are one-off collaborations um, and usually focus around sharing plant-based recipes or evidence-based nutrition information. Okay, so let's get into today's objectives. So I'm hoping that we can understand the benefits of eating a plant-based diet. Although, to be honest, uh, our other speakers have done a really, really great job of doing that. So I'm just gonna touch briefly on it. Um, And then I also want to debunk some of the most common myths surrounding plant-based diets, particularly protein, calcium, vitamin B12, omega-3, iron, and soy consumption, to hopefully gain a better understanding of how to follow a well-planned and diverse plant-based diet. So why plant-based? Typically, when clients come to see me, they're motivated by one or more of these three reasons for starting a plant-based diet, and these are animal welfare reasons, environmental reasons, and health reasons.
0: Animal welfare
1: is relatively self-explanatory, with our current food system heavily promoting factory farming. In 2017, Canada alone slaughtered over three million cattle and calves over 600,000 pigs, and over 21 million sheep and lamb, and over 600 million chickens. In terms of the environmental aspects, um, this is becoming more and more prevalent, especially in the news today. Animal agriculture accounts for over 72 to 78% of total greenhouse agricultural greenhouse gas emissions, with beef, pork, and poultry producing 39.3 and 4.3 kilograms of greenhouse gas emissions per kilogram of product, respectively. Greenhouse gas emissions per kilogram of protein from beef and lamb are 250 times those produced from legumes, and 40 times higher in pork and poultry than in legumes. And lastly, the biggest reason that people come to see me concerning following a plant-based diet is health reasons, which makes sense because I'm a registered dietitian. So three in five annual deaths globally are attributed to four major non-communicable diseases, which are cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, and chronic lung disease. These are primarily caused by four main factors, which are poor diet, physical inactivity, tobacco use, and alcohol consumption. The foods that are most commonly linked time and time again to disease reduction are whole grains, legumes, fruits, and vegetables. Vegan diets come closer to meeting dietary guidelines for total fat, saturated fat, trans fat, dietary cholesterol, and fiber intake than any other dietary group. Some of the other speakers talked a little bit about Blue Zones already, but these are basically areas of the world that are studied for their longevity. All of these areas consume a 90 to 100% plant-based diet, and they also engage in a myriad of other very beneficial factors like increased physical activity, low tobacco use, and increased social engagement. In terms of cardiovascular disease, our speakers have already talked a lot about uh, these specific diseases pertaining to plant-based diets, but the Epic Oxford uh, showed that vegetarians had a 28% reduced risk of developing ischemic heart disease compared to those who follow omnivorous diets. Vegetarians and vegan have a 43 to 63% reduced risk of developing hypertensions than omnivores. When 17 different types of cancers were studied, plant-based diets were shown to be protective against 14 of them. I think we all know colorectal cancer to be studied heavily in terms of a plant-based diet, and particular studies have shown that in those who have low dietary fiber intake, with just a 10 gram increase in fiber coincides with a 10% reduced risk, Of colorectal cancer. These beneficial effects are usually due to their phytochemical, antioxidant, and fiber compounds in the food. In terms of diabetes, vegan and near-vegan diets have been shown time and time again to reduce risk of developing type 2 diabetes, especially when we're considering things like oats, barley, psyllium husks, black seeds, nuts, and seeds for their beneficial effects on blood cholesterol, oxidative stress, and blood glucose. So there's a lot of evidence supporting following a plant-based diet, but there's still so many myths surrounding following it. So I'm hoping to debunk some of those myths with you today. The first myth is protein. Now, it wouldn't be a talk about common myths surrounding plant-based diets if I didn't touch on protein. If I had a dime for every single time someone asked me about this, I would be a millionaire. But to be honest, I actually really encouraged the question. This is because so many of us grew up in a time where it's been heavily promoted to us that protein can only come from, from, plant, from animal-based sources, but this simply isn't the case.
0: I decided to do a
1: little bit of a poll on my social media, seeing how many people actually believed some of the myths that I'm sharing with you today. I wanna make it abundantly clear that this is in no way a scientific study. This is purely just anecdotal evidence, but I thought it might bring a little bit of life to the presentation, but it's also important to remember that most of the people who follow me are very likely at least interested in plant-based diets because that's what I share about every single day. So of the followers who took part in my poll, 28% said they thought it would be hard to get enough protein on a plant-based diet and 42% said they thought it would be hard to get good quality protein on a plant-based diet. So amino acids are the building blocks of protein, and I think we all know that they are a component of muscle and bone, but they also have so many other jobs in our body that we rarely talk about. They protect our health in the form of antibodies and other immune systems, they accomplish reactions as enzymes, and they coordinate activities as hormones, carry oxygen throughout our bodies, so they are very important. There are 20 amino acids, nine of which are essential. All nine of these essential amino acids can be found in plants. So it makes very little sense to assume that we have to eat animal products in order to get them. There are two amino acids that are of kind of particular concern to some people who follow plant-based diets, and these are lysine and methionine. Lysine can be found abundantly in things like legumes and seeds, but relatively low in things like whole grains. In contrast, whole grains are very high in methionine, but relatively low in things like lysine. It was previously thought that in order to get that full spectrum of amino acids, that we would have to pair legumes and whole grains at every single meal in order to ensure that we were getting the full spectrum of amino acids. But we now know that this actually isn't the case. Our body is able to store pools of amino acids throughout the day. And so if we're eating a meal that's relatively low in one of those amino acids, then we can draw on those pools later in the day to do those functions that I've already talked to you about. There are the other common myths surrounding plant-based diet, which is getting enough protein. Many people think that we need a lot more protein than we actually do. In actual fact, we need about 0.8 grams per kilogram of protein of body weight, and some studies have shown a slight increase to 0.83 grams per kilogram of body weight might be beneficial and an even more slight increase to 0.9 grams per kilogram of body weight for those who follow a plant-based diet. But regardless, this is very, very easy to get on a plant-based diet. For someone who is 150 pounds, this would mean that you need about 60 grams of protein per day, which is very, very easy. I always encourage clients to make about a quarter of their plate plant-based protein, which I've tried to visualize here. These are some of the pictures from my Instagram account. Um, And these can come from anywhere from beans, lentils, other legumes, tofu, tempeh, nuts, seeds, nut and seed butters, quinoa. All of these are abundant in plant-based protein. I've had some clients who have been worried about the amount of protein that they're consuming in a day, so I encourage them to log their intake for just a couple days to see where they're at. Most of the time, you are absolutely amazed to see that they are actually getting more than enough protein that they even need. And I've actually never had a client who is getting less than the amount of protein that they need on a whole foods, plant-based diet. This is all to say that as long as you are consuming enough calories for your body, and you are consuming a well-planned and diverse plant-based diet full of things like legumes, whole grains, vegetables, fruit, nuts, and seeds, Protein will not be an issue for you. Okay, so the next big one is calcium.
0: I think we all kind of
1: equate calcium to cow's milk, right? So of the people who took part in my poll, 35% said they were concerned about getting enough calcium on a plant-based diet. So yes, there is no question that dairy can be a good source of calcium, vitamin D, and protein, but these can also be found in abundance in other plant foods as well. In particular, we can contrast one cup of soy milk has the same amount of calcium, vitamin D, and only very, very slightly less protein than one cup of cow's milk. Most plant-based milks that you get in the refrigerated section of the grocery store will be fortified with calcium and vitamin D. So I think we all know that calcium is really important for giving hardness to bones and teeth, but 1% of calcium in our body is actually used for uh, nerve cell transmission, muscle relaxation, and a bunch of other things. So it is definitely important to ensure that we are getting enough calcium. With that being said, many people consider calcium to be the number one important factor in maintaining and building bone structure, structure, and basically the only thing that matters. And although it does play an extremely important role, it is not the only thing that matters. Osteoporosis is actually an interplay of many different things. Although calcium is important to bone health, there are tons of other things that also affect bone health that are both modifiable and unmodifiable risk factors. Unmodifiable risk factors are things like family history, age, gender, ethnicity, um, and then things that are non Modifiable risk factors are things like poorly planned diet, physical inactivity, sun exposure, alcohol consumption, caffeine consumption, and sodium consumption. Because of this, it is important to ensure that we are engaging in all of these other factors to help to maintain bone health. Some studies have been done and they show that those who follow a vegan diet may have an increased risk of bone fracture However, the important thing to remember with these studies is they often don't include vegans who have fortified food in their intake and aren't consuming enough calcium. Other studies that have been done on vegans that consume the same amount of calcium as those who who follow omnivorous diets show that that vegans actually do not have an increased risk of bone fracture. So there are many important factors to think about when trying to prevent against osteoporosis, and calcium is just one of them. We also want to make sure that our alcohol consumption isn't too elevated, uh, same with caffeine and sodium as well. And we also need to be cognizant of other nutrients like vitamin D, magnesium, and phosphorus. as these can all play a role in bone health. So the foods that are particularly high in plant-based calcium are things like your dark leafy greens like kale napa cabbage bok choy broccoli um, beans and then certain nuts and seeds so things like almonds almond butter uh, sesame seeds and tahini and also those fortified foods that we talked about so things like calcium fed tofu um, and then fortified plant-based milks can all be abundant in calcium I've had clients who have doubled their calcium intake by simply adding things like kale to their morning smoothie, adding a cup of plant-based milk to their day, uh, adding beans to their lunch, and adding almond butter and tahini throughout the day. The takeaway here is that it is important to be cognizant of the amount of calcium that we're consuming, but it's not something to be too concerned about when following a well-planned and diverse plant-based diet. We also need to be cognizant of other things like physical activity, especially weight-bearing physical activity, and other nutrients like vitamin D that may affect our
0: health. Well, that concludes part one of Lauren McNeil's talk. We thank her for equipping us with ways to respond to those who have doubts about plant-based nutrition. Next episode, we will take you to part two where she addresses further myths about plant-based nutrition. You don't want to miss it. You can follow Lauren McNeil on Instagram at her handle RD, and learn more about her amazing services at tastingtothrive.com. You can partner with Lauren McNeil by sharing this information with your family, friends, and loved ones. Together, we can help more people make the life-changing transition to plant-based nutrition. We would like to express our gratitude to the speakers and to the chair of the conference, Dr. Zara Kassam, for permitting Pathways to upload these talks so that you, our listeners, can be blessed by them. In return, we encourage you to share these episodes with your friends and family. To watch video versions of these talks, please go to the official website of Plant-Based Canada, which is www.plantbasedcanada.org. This podcast is brought to you by Pathways to Wholeness Lifestyle Medicine, a group of clinics based in Toronto, Canada with a special focus on lifestyle medicine. To learn more about what we do, you can go to our website, pathwaystowholeness.ca. To stay up to date, remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also listen directly online, on our website, or on YouTube. Thank you again for tuning in today, and remember, your lifestyle is medicine.